Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna, where it is three gals who like to sit around, drink coffee, and talk about true crime. True crime! Mm. Ladies, it's so nice to have you back in our little breakfast nook. I missed you last week. Yeah, I missed you too. <laughs> hey, you know what? You did a real heck of a job oh, there, you thanks. and the ki- kittens. Yeah, you held your own. Oh, thank you, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. they're very silly. They just both, they all followed me in, and I was like, it's fine. You yeah. guys can just be yeah. in here today. It doesn't matter. <laughs> And it was really cool um, to be able to have that be its own thing. Both of those uh, clips that you had, that was awesome. Yeah, I just kind of, when I was editing that last episode, I was just like, these are kind of fun. I'm going to pull these to the side just so that I have them on their own. And then when things happen, I was like, great, I'm glad I pulled these to the side so they can be on their own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Made it work. Yes, but I'm excited to hear a true crime tale from you, the lovely Amanda. I got got a true crime tale for you. Um, This one is a double header. Have any of you heard of Bobby Joe Long? Uh, I would like to add um, an extra trigger warning today for everyone. This story does involve um, tales of sexual assault and rape and a lot of violence against women. So if that is something that triggers you, um, I understand. Join us next week. Or go back and listen to another episode that you already really liked. Yeah. That makes you happy. Yeah. Um, but there, that will be uh, part of the discussion today. So Robert Joe Long was born October 14, 1953, in Canova, West Virginia. He and his mother soon moved to Tampa, Florida, where he would remain for the rest of his life. Bobby and some other of his family members were born with a genetic disorder called Klinefelter syndrome. This is where a person is born with an extra X chromosome, causing glands to produce abnormal amounts of estrogen throughout puberty. So basically, it looked like Bobby was developing breasts and was teased relentlessly on the playground for it. He did actually have breast reduction surgery at a very young age, but it's thought that um, this resulted in a bit of gender confusion for this very small boy. It probably didn't help him developmentally that he shared a bed with his mother until he was 13 years old. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. uh, He absolutely hated when she would bring men around in their one-bedroom apartment. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Uh Uh, All right. All right. Uh Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Because I'm like, I mean, sure. If you've got, like, a small space, but, like, bring in the men bed. Oh, no. Right. Go on. Yeah, so um, also when little Bobby was just about five years old, he suffered his first of many head injuries when he was knocked unconscious when he fell off a swing. He also had an eyelid get skewered by a stick. Ow. Hold on, wait. When, okay. uh, what, when was this? What was the years on this again? I mean, he was born in 53s and he okay. was five years old. So this God is like 58. I just, kids don't really play outside as much anymore, so I think that's why I'm like, like, oh yeah, back in the day where we would just like break shit and like, kids still do, yeah, but for TikToks. But yeah. Right. (laughs) This is just for nature. Yeah, for Um, life. For nature. This is just what Tuesday is, yeah. Oh, but he's not done. So the following year, he was thrown from his bicycle, crashing headfirst into a parked car with injuries, including loss of several teeth and a severe concussion. Oh my God. Dang. What's one of your worst injuries as a child? Oh, okay. So I surprisingly did gymnastics 
competitively for over a decade, and I've never broken a bone. I did, though, once. Okay, so I was actually very young. I was running. I wanted to go take a bubble bath. I had just gotten home from <laughs> gymnastics, and my mom was like, I got the bubble bath ready for you, and I was like, heck yeah. Because um, even then, I was like, mm, self-care, yes. So, <laughs> so little panda, I think I was uh, probably like... Mm, Nope, like six, se- like seven. I was very young, but still like already doing crazy competitive gymnastics. So I was running full speed up the stairs. And in my house in Illinois, there was like a banister at the bottom. And I smashed my head into it and I fell back. And <laughs> my dad always tells the story because he was on a conference call, like a work conference call. And he just yelled, I have to go to the emergency room. And he hung up on everybody. And they were like, wait, wait, but Rob, but like, hold on. <laughs> Hold on. And it's like way before cell phones. So they were just like, okay. And I had this huge golf ball size lump on the front of my head. And they said I didn't have brain injury. Like they said it was just superficial and on the outside. But I'm a weirdo. So you tell me. Next. You could have been weird regardless. That's true. (laughs) Thank God. That's in your blood. That's true. When I was in, so the one that I remember, uh, when I was in kindergarten, I was playing tag with a girl when I was living in Salt Lake City, and it the snow had just melted, so there's a bunch of ice on the pavement, and we were like just running around being stupid kids, and I like did this flip in the air because I slipped on ice and slid across the pavement, and I scratched my whole side of my face, and I looked like Two Face. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. You healed great. You're Thank so pretty. You. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't get a scar from it, which I was pretty surprised. Nice. The one I don't remember, I was much younger, and I was playing in the bathroom, just like kids do, jumping yeah. up and down on the toilet and the sink, mm-hmm. and I fell, and I hit the, like, trash bin, and I split my lip open, and I had to get rushed to the hospital, and I have, like, a weird warped memory of, like, being strapped down into the chair, and it's, like, weird, scary memory, because I was so young, and they had to sew me together. My lip had to get sewn back together. I do have a scar from that one. Mm. Brenna. Sick. <laughs> Brenna? Sick. That's pretty sick. Nasty. Sick. What you got? Uh, you had brothers, so what you got? You had yeah, a brother. <laughs> I, uh, so there's like a there's a big blur of just like um getting dropped on my head a lot, like through like wrestling or like, you know, power bombs and all that stuff, or like doing a there's just there's a lot of those. So that kind of like falls into like you know when people talk generally about like yeah we fought as kids like with siblings like it mm-hmm. just kind of goes in with that oh yeah yeah um i <laughs> was uh gonna i was being dropped off at a creative kids i think it was like a daycare type situation uh-huh. and i was um I went in and every, you know, I, I think I was really freaked out when I first was going because I was like, wait a second, what? Like, because my mom was like, I gotta go look at houses, bye. Like, cause she had to go like buy us a house out here. So, um, we, so I'm, I'm in the, I think I was already like, I had hurt my finger like chasing after her and I was like, everything's terrible. Um, <sighs> but we go to recess. And um, some kid pushed me in front of the swing, and I got kicked in the face and had a big black eye. Aww. And my my eye was all bloody and, like, like with a blood vessel burst and shit. Like, it looked like Terminator because um, I got kicked so hard. Um, yeah, so that was that. But I don't know, man. You're the Terminator? Yeah. I'm Two-Face? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, head uh, trauma, Bobby's, baby. Yeah, Bobby's not done. Bobby's not done. Okay, so that was like six years old. All right, now we're at age seven. He fell from a pony onto his head, uh, remaining dizzy and nauseous for several weeks oh after my God. the accident. Dang. When he was 13. Okay, all right, sorry, we're done. 
Well, so let it be known, we're done with the accidents, okay? okay. We just no know that accidents. there was, like, lots of, of head trauma while you were growing up. Sure. Okay. So, uh, when he was 13, he started dating Cynthia Barlett. Uh, it said that she seemed to be the dominating personality in the relationship. Some sources even go on to suggest that she and his mother would sometimes team up against him. I'm not exactly sure what degree that was. I think that was more his opinion of them. Okay. Um, but it was enough for Bobby to feel like the women in his life had all the control. Mm. Cynthia and Bobby would go on to get married in 1974 and have two boys. Mm-hmm. Six months after the wedding, though, Bobby crashed a motorcycle and shattered his helmet on impact. Ah. He was in the hospital for a very long time. Damn. So Jesus. while he was there, he started to get horrible headaches and lash out in unpredictable, violent rages. Mm. He also developed an obsession with sex. It was said he would pleasure himself upwards of five times a day, and this didn't stop when he got back home with Cynthia. In fact, he started to force her to have intercourse with him at least twice a day. Mm, Fucking yikes. His violent tendencies continued to escalate to the point where one day he put her in the hospital. Mm. Upon her return home, Cindy took a gun and pointed it at Bobby. She couldn't get herself to pull the trigger, though, so she picked up the kids and left. Their divorce was finalized by July of 1980. Mm. Bobby stayed in the Tampa area and started responding to classified ads in the local paper. This was usually um, with small appliances or people had, like, furniture for sale. Basically, it was like an old-school Craigslist. Mm. Um, He would always show up in the middle of the day when he expected women's husbands would be out at work. Oh, no. As soon as the woman let him in, he would pull a knife on her and then bind and rape her before robbing the home. Around the time he started doing these awful house calls, he was dating a woman named Sharon Richards. In 1981, she accused him of rape, but police said they didn't have enough evidence to charge him. Uh. They got in a fight, and Bobby ended up hitting Sharon. She left him, and he went back to West Virginia for a while. Then he was back to Tampa by 83. He met a 17-year-old, yeah, you heard me, 17-year-old x-ray tech named Emma or Elise. I don't know why I saw her with two different names, but I'm pretty sure they were talking about the same person in these sources. Anyway, he started dating her, and she seemed to be a good influence on him. She even got him going back to church. Oh, well. Yeah. He would spoil her with all kinds of trinkets and jewelry. Oh, no. But let's just say, yeah, he didn't buy these in a pawn shop. In September of 83, Sharon filed assault charges on Bobby, and he was found guilty. So finally, from back then, she got Right. Right, because they couldn't get him on rape, um, but she was able to get him on assault charges. Well, yeah, because it's not a problem to rape her, but to beat her up. There we go. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So two months later, good old Bobby was charged again, this time with sending an obscene letter and photographs to a 12-year-old girl. Oh, my God. For that, he got two days in jail and six months probation. Oh, my God. Apparently, a lot of this wasn't taken seriously enough because in 84, Bobby was granted a retrial in the case of Sharon Richards. Mm. A retrial. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? This time, he ended up being acquitted of the assault charges. Oh, my God. So he's just, like, getting away with everything. Mm. And when all of this seemed to get to be a, too much for Bobby, he went looking for easier prey. Mm. And now it's time to take a sip of that beautiful bean water because... Here come the murders. Mm. Now, this is just um, Bobby's first known victim, uh, was artist Ann Wick, an exotic dancer in the Tampa area. Long said that after he raped her, he still didn't feel satisfied, which is why he killed her. Ew. Ew. 
Her remains were found November 22, 1984, in rural southern Hillsborough County. Unfortunately, I couldn't find too much more about her life, and this sadly seems to be the case with a lot of his victims because he was a piece of garbage who would prey on vulnerable women. So, keeping in true garbage human fashion, Bobby abducted Mary Hicks at gunpoint as she was driving her Jaguar. Mary was smart as hell and actually crashed the car to get away from him. Bobby only ended up having to pay damages to her car and served three years probation. Right, because let's just ignore what got us in the situation. Not that he was trying to kidnap her. But he ruined her car. Great. Okay, cool. In uh, The Anatomy of Motive, which I know you're currently listening to, Mm -hmm. uh, John Douglas does talk about, like, if someone gets into your car and they're trying to kidnap you, do not do what they tell you to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crash the car. Do something. Make a lot of noise. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever you can possibly do. If they get you to a secondary location, you're mm -hmm. you're dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So around this time, Bobby found out that his girlfriend was cheating on him, and he called his mother to console him. He complained that this was such a devastating betrayal and noted that there were no good women left in the world. Mm-hmm. Long's next victim was 20-year-old Nguyen Thi Long. I believe she goes by Lana, but no relation to Bobby Long, obviously. Um, Bobby had recently been seen around the apartment complex where she lived. When she was found, Lana was nude and had two different kinds of rope around her neck and wrists. Mm-hmm. Under her face was a piece of fabric thought to have been used for a gag. Her legs were spread apart, and it looked as if she had been staged that way. They found a large gash on her head, but ultimately her cause of death was determined to be strangulation. Mm. The only bits of evidence they found were small pieces of red nylon fibers and three tire marks leading away from the body. But oddly enough, all three tracks had different tires. Weird. Yeah. But also, I mean, I feel like that's something that's... also unique. Exactly. Like, oh, (laughs) well, cool, great, let's go find someone with three different tires. Yeah. At the time Lana met Bobby, she was going back to school and had just quit her job as an exotic dancer at a club on Nebraska Avenue in Tampa. This street would go on to become Bobby's hunting grounds. Driving back and forth in his 78 Dodge Magnum, Long would continuously pick up sex workers, bring them back to his home, tie them up, rape them, and then either strangle them, slit their throats, or use blunt force trauma to take their life. Jesus Christ. Michelle Sims would be the next unlucky woman to cross Long's path. She was working as a sex worker when Bobby picked her up. He beat and raped her before repeatedly slashing her throat. Police noticed something at Michelle's scene that was familiar, though. Tiny red nylon fibers. 22-year-old Elizabeth Loudenbach was found lying on her back, fully clothed. She did not fit the type that Bobby would normally go for. She wasn't a sex worker or a drug user. However, Elizabeth lived just a few blocks from Long's hunting grounds on Nebraska Avenue. It was possible he caught her on her way home from work. Long would later claim that after he raped Elizabeth, he had originally intended to let her go, but that her insistent crying is what drove him to kill her. What a piece of crap. Yeah, and opportunist, apparently. Yep. On September 7th, 21-year-old Vicki Marie Elliott, who was waiting tables overnight at the Ramada Inn coffee shop, failed to return home from work. She had asked a neighbor for a ride, but they stated Vicki was already gone when they showed up to get her. Her body was found a little over two months later in a patch of shrub northeast of Tampa. Linda Natal was one of the women who um, Bobby had contacted through that classified ad. When he arrived at her home, he raped her, but then he miraculously let her live. Her one- and four-year-old children were in the house at the time of the attack. Oy. Yeah. But sadly, Bobby was still able to continue his terror spree on the Tampa area. Was she the first one with kids? 
I mean, I don't know. It's not. I haven't read that one of the um, the sex workers or women oh, if that, they like, had, that they had children. But that you know, I couldn't find much on their personal lives. Uh, the reason why I was like, is that what played into the fact that like because the kids were in the house is why he let her live because he connected it with his own childhood. Ma- and his mom. Maybe I don't know. De- uh, definitely maybe. Maybe that's a good. Interesting. I didn't even think of that. Mm. You're abs- That's totally possible. Mm. On October seventh, keep in mind all of this is happening within a year. Mm. Bobby did his usual drive and picked up 18-year-old sex worker Chanel Devon Williams. He raped her and attempted to strangle her like the others. But something came over him this time, and he ended up going out of character and shooting her twice in the neck. He's just escalating. Yeah. Just two weeks later, Bobby had his eyes set on his next target, 28-year-old sex worker Karen Beth Dinsfriend. Her body was found strangled in an orange grove just hours after she was seen walking on Nebraska Avenue. Karen was well known to local police, and that's how they were able to identify her body quickly. 22-year-old Kimberly Kyle Hops was found on an isolated portion of 301 north of Tampa on Halloween night. She was last seen with a group of other sex workers near Bobby's hunting grounds, Nebraska Avenue. Now... This is where the story takes a turn. And you're probably going to want another sip before we go into this next part. So 17-year-old Lisa McVeigh had been through a lot in just her few short years of life. Her mother was an alcoholic who gave Lisa up to her grandmother. And unfortunately, her grandmother was an abusive, horrible person with a boyfriend to match. Lisa said her grandmother's boyfriend, Morris, would hold a gun to her head before sexually assaulting her. And this had gone on for years. So she had had enough. As Lisa was walking home near Nebraska Avenue in Tampa, she was thinking about the goodbye letter she had written the night before. She was contemplating taking her own life to end the pain she was enduring daily. But in that exact moment, Bobby Long came up and grabbed her. He blindfolded her and held her at gunpoint. He threw her in his car and drove her to an unknown apartment. All the while, Lisa was taking in every single detail. She could see the word magnum on the dashboard through the tiny sliver at the bottom of her blindfold. You see, when he put it on her, she cleansed her jaw. She, like, smiled so that he tied it up. And then when she relaxed mm-hmm. her face, she could see underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have we talked about that before? I think we have. It's said to, like, to do something like that so you can kind of loosen whatever mm-hmm. they do to you. Exactly. She even um, tried to count the steps from his car to their next location. He took her inside his home, well, a home, where he raped and tortured her for the next 26 hours. But Lisa, being the incredibly strong and smart and resilient girl she was, decided to try and sympathize with her attacker. She asked him why he was doing this, and he told her it was to get back at all women because he had recently gone through a bad breakup. She shared about her mother, who had left her for a life of drugs and alcohol, and then made up a story about being the only caretaker for her dying father that she desperately needed to get back to. Because, like, okay, all right, he hates women. Uh, My dad is dying. Mm. Brilliant. She even promised to be his secret girlfriend because she could kind of see that he might have been a little developmentally slow. And so she was trying to pick up on that and, and just reason with him. Um, so speaking to ABC Action News in 2019, McVeigh recalled, quote, I said, why are you doing this to me? And he goes, because I just want to get back at women in general. And I said, I'll be your girlfriend. I'll do whatever you want. It's unfortunate how we met. We don't have to tell anyone how we met. Let's do this. Hmm. 
Eventually, Lisa got Long to drop her off, blindfolded, in a remote location. The entire drive, she tried to grab onto any details she could. She knew um, that they had gone to a gas station, and she knows that he went to an ATM before he dropped her off. Before driving away, he told her to wait five minutes before taking off her blindfold. When she got home, she was beaten mercilessly and interrogated for hours by her grandmother. Lisa stayed strong. She knew she had to get her story out to police. And she was met with a lot of disbelief. Um, in one of my sources, there was like a, a female officer who wouldn't believe her. And we were like, come on, you should freaking know better. Come on. Yikes. But luckily, Sergeant Larry Pinkerton immediately took her seriously. Lisa did an incredible job of remembering details. She also made sure to leave her DNA wherever she could. In Bobby's house, she asked to use the bathroom, and she said she touched every surface she possibly could just to leave her fingerprints on everything. Mm -hmm. So, like, even if he cleaned the bathroom, she's like, I touched everything. (laughs) She even tried to remember the shape of Bobby's face when she had to touch it. Remember, she was blindfolded this whole Mm -hmm. time. Lisa also had a rape kit performed on her, and the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office urged Tampa police to have that and all the other evidence sent to an FBI laboratory to be tested. They were able to make that happen, and wouldn't you know, tiny red fibers found on Lisa's clothes match those found at different unsolved rape and murder cases in the Tampa area. But unfortunately, it seemed that Bobby would stop at nothing to get his fix for violence. On November 6th, just a few days after dropping off Lisa, the body of 18-year-old Virginia Johnson was found in a field. Her body was dismembered, but police believe this was due to the elements and decomposition. Mm. Oh, but wait, there's more. On November 10th, Bobby was driving his usual hunting grounds when he pulled up alongside Kimberly Swan. She was driving her car while intoxicated, unfortunately. Long convinced her to pull over and get into his car and go for a ride and grab another drink. Once Bobby tried to make a move... Kimberly put up a fight. So much so, in fact, that it angered Bobby so much he didn't even attempt to rape her. Instead, he just killed her and dumped her body on the side of the highway. Her body would be found two days later by construction workers. Mm. Okay, so remember when I said that Sergeant Pinkerton was like, yeah, get this evidence to the FBI. Well, they actually ended up forming a task force to try and catch this guy. Mm. So it was the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, the Tampa Police Department, the Pasco County Sheriff's Office, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, and the freaking FBI. Mm. Because Lisa did such a kick-ass job, they were able to deduce that the car she had been driven around was a red 78 Dodge Magnum. Mm. On November 15, 1984, Bobby was pulled over since his car matched the description. Police took all his info, photographed him, but eventually had to let him go. They had to. I mean, they didn't have any concrete evidence at this point, and they didn't want to risk him running or knowing that they were onto him. Mm. However, they were absolutely doing more than their due diligence and immediately had him under full surveillance. Like, they never stopped tailing him after this. They took the picture of Bobby from the traffic stop and added it to a police lineup. Sure enough, resident badass Lisa McVeigh was able to identify him. Even though she had, he had kept her blindfolded, like, you remember, she had that little spot where she could peek. Plus, remember she said she could feel his face, so she just, like, had this vision in, in her mind of what he looked like. On November 16th, Bobby had thrown away a bunch of trash in a dumpster. That was collected for evidence. He vacuumed out his car. That was collected for evidence. They actually ended up breaking their task fork. Fork? Task, task, task fork. fork! I love it. Leave it in. They <laughs> broke their task fork fork into four prongs. Okay. (laughs) It works. I love it. (laughs) All right. 
right, first dingle hopper. All right. Okay, but seriously, so they had this task force. Yeah, I said it. Task force was four teams. First one was to arrest and interrogate Bobby. The second was to seize and search his car. The third was to do the same to his apartment. And the fourth was to interview his neighbors. Later that day, Bobby was coming out of a showing of Chuck Norris's uh, Missing in Action when he was arrested and taken into custody. At this time, he was just being charged with a sexual assault and kidnapping of Lisa McVeigh. Police interrogated Long and eventually started to mention the other rapes and murders they believed he was connected to. This is when Bobby said he needed a lawyer. Mm. However, he had also waived his Miranda rights when he first sat down, so Bobby was not brought a lawyer, and instead, police waited him out until he eventually confessed to eight murders in Hillsborough County and one in Pasco County. Oh my god. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I thought that was interesting. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> At Bobby's trial, he ended up taking a plea deal. He pled guilty to eight homicides as well as the abduction and rape of Lisa McVeigh. For this, he received 26 life sentences without the possibility of parole, 24 concurrent and two to run consecutively to the first 24, and seven life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25 years. But the state was able to seek the death penalty for the murder of Michelle Sims. In July of 86, Long was found guilty and sentenced to death. His subsequent appeals were denied, and he was executed by lethal injection on May 23, 2019. He had no final words. And normally this is where we would um, say, like, that's the story of this guy. But I want to leave this on a higher note. So, Lisa McVeigh used this new chance at life to make a difference, and she really wanted to help people. She started working at the Hillsborough County Parks and Recreation Department, and one day she, w- she had actually called the police to report a break-in at the office, and the officer who assessed the scene was like, you've got the attitude to be a cop. Do you ever think about joining the force? <laughs> so in 1999, she started working as a dispatcher and a reserve deputy. She put herself through the police academy and was deputized in 2004. She works in the same department that found and arrested her captor, specializing in sex crimes and working to protect children. Apart from this, Lisa also works as a middle school resource officer and shares her story with students to help them know how to handle potentially dangerous situations. Now she is a master deputy and happily married to the love of her life. So that, my ladies and beans, is the story of how teenage Lisa McVeigh helped catch one of the most prolific serial killers in Florida history. Final sips? Oh, that's that's awesome. I love that she did she's done all of that since since it happened, right? She's really creating a positive change for a lot of people, children and, and otherwise. Um and I think that's great. We need more people like that. Yeah. More programs like that to be to be for kids. Kids need to know this stuff, how to defend themselves. I mean, Dare's cool and all, but, like, we also need this sort of stuff. Yeah, because she was, uh, <laughs> she said in some of her other interviews, like, it was, you know, unfortunately she did know how to handle herself in this situation because she had been through so much horrible mm-hmm. abuse. But she was like, kids shouldn't have to go through that to learn how to protect themselves. Exactly. Like, let's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you should have the tools before you need the tools, right? Yeah. You shouldn't get the tools because you needed them and you had to force, you had to, like, learn in a horrible situation you should already know how to do that and like creating programs like that for kids i think is fantastic what else is i gonna say um i don't that i i'm glad that he like got sentenced to all that stuff and he got caught and all these things um i will never agree with the death penalty no uh, it's yeah doesn't do any good that's no. not gonna bring anybody back well and especially in this one because they actually think he had upwards of like 50 <sighs> victims and we will never know yeah you know 
we'll never actually know, and those families will never get closure because Florida. Yeah, they just mm. like they like to do, to do all of that stuff. There's just there's a lot. This is a great episode. Um, there's so much, so well, many things. What's crazy is I started it because I was like, oh, I want to tell the survivor story. I'm gonna do the story of Lisa McVeigh, and then I realized who her captor was, and then I'm like, oh. Well, if you know, in order to tell her story, yeah. we need to go back a bit, kind of thing. So that turned into a whole episode. Thanks yeah. for listening to it. Yeah. Well, because like even for on his side of things too, right? I mean, we we talk about this all the time. There's always like there could have been a moment where intervention happened, but unfortunately, he never had a moment for success. Like he never no. had a person in his life that could have been that person to help or notice something. Everyone was or kind hold of, him accountable or hold him accountable. Exactly. Right. Even as an adult. Yeah, no, yeah, there was, was a lot. nobody, 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 um, and that's that's really unfortunate. And that is just like we all need to know how to protect ourselves because there are unfortunately even today people that are in very similar situations that he was in that are not getting the help that they should have, and then put us in dangerous situations. Yeah, you know, sex work is work. Please protect yourselves. Like. People, yes. are, people are terrible. I was looking uh, online the other day, and there's like this new hair clip that's come out, and it's like to it like comes out yeah like uncl- it's like there's like a little what are those not a bobby pin but like one of those little like clippy clips they're like clippies from the small. 90s like when i was a mm-hmm. gymnast you wear yeah i literally clips. have one in my hair yeah. right now um and they're small but like it's got like a, a jagged edge so you mm-hmm. can like break a zip tie and you can just clip it out of your hair really easy even if your hands are tied if you can get up to your head like mm-hmm. putting it somewhere so like and you've given us little gifts or those little yeah. secret combs yeah. yeah they're not secret combs knife combs the knife, yeah, knife combs comb knife but yeah, it's just it's really important to to know the signs, which is why I not that I enjoy these stories, but like I'm fascinated by these stories for multiple reasons. But one of them is to know the signs, mm-hmm. to know what you're looking for, to know what those vibes are so that you can protect yourself or avoid a situation because it kind of sounds or looks similar to something you heard about from whatever true crime. Um, there's a lot to, to, to gain from these stories. They're horrible and they're really sad, but we have to just try to learn from them and help others. And just try to to move forward, which is hard. It's hard to do that. But I'm really glad that Lisa was able to to get out of that awful situation and now is trying to help people. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty damn cool. Because, yeah. uh, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who go through that kind of trauma and it sends them down a different yeah, path. It destroys mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it destroys them. Oh, yeah. And I think that I always wonder if there's some sort of like, like, a feeling of a way when you go through a traumatic experience and you don't turn your life around into being an inspirational person because that's statistically more likely, right? Like, um, we hear more about the stories about Ben. Ben barking. (laughs) Ben barking. Um, Well, we hear more about the stories of, like, they lost their legs and then they were walking again when, like, there's a lot of people that lose their legs and then just, like, don't have the confidence to, like get back mm-hmm. up so it's nice to know that like it's we have to hear these inspiring stories because like just terrible shit happens to everybody yeah. like terrible awful yeah. things happen to anybody I guess mm-hmm. not everybody also but anybody right yeah. so it's we need to hold on to these for anybody that has those feelings of like I haven't done anything with my trauma like you don't have to and mm-hmm. you can no. look at these and go like cool like good Good. Like it can be separate from your own. Like because your your success, your getting over it and your success looks different than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone else can succeed in having this dramatic event happen, but they don't become a police officer, but that doesn't mean they don't succeed. No, so, totally. And, yeah, and but they day, can see someone like Lisa McVeigh yeah. and be like, You're right. Cool. People get out of these situations. I'm not necessarily stuck. People mm-hmm. can 
pull themselves up by the bootstraps yeah. and get help and people want to help you and it can yeah. be it can end up being okay. And it mm-hmm. looks like it looks different on everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So like sometimes what is the most celebrated thing is the fact that you got up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible and amazing. You you don't have to do all these extra things. I mean, it's amazing when people do that, but it is also amazing that you sat up in bed or you got to get some sleep. Like, yeah, those man. are also things right. to be celebrated and are signs of success. Yeah, man. Old Ghostbusters. New Ghostbusters doesn't take away old Ghostbusters. Like, all of it can just <laughs> exist at the same time and it's yes. okay. Like, yeah. you can be like, there's a glory days of something that I used to be and it's like, and this thing that you are, like, this creature, this incredible person, like, I don't know, it's worth being curious. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, my final sip is... Uh, Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, (laughs) is the term used to describe brain degeneration likely caused by repeated head traumas. CTE is a diagnosis made only at autopsy by studying sections of the brain. Um, We've talked about CTE a whole bunch on this, and it's uh, brain damage is a son of a bitch, you know? Um, So it's... We're learning more and more through the history of these kind of old cases where um, we're finding out that people had some sort of head trauma or uh, repeated head trauma, right? And they got violent afterwards and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We now have a fully flushed, like, incredible history of it. And there's a lot of people doing studies on it now. So it's a real thing. And so I think just be careful with your brains, please. Yeah. Love Brenna Send. Yeah, check out our, our Chris Benoit episode if you haven't. Brenna wrote that, and she goes into great detail about episode, all that. Episode, what, eight? Yeah. Yeah, it's first Damn. Yeah. Early out. That's early. That's early beans. But yeah, it's it's important. You're, you're like, kind of like we were talking about just a couple seconds ago. Like, your body, regardless of what shape or style it is, is, like, your fucking instrument. That's what you got, you know? Mm-hmm. So take good care of it and um, keep up with yourself. Like, you know, there's all these different instances of him doing all these very violent things and nobody ever like took it seriously Mm -hmm. so like keep up with yourself man like it's like taking your car to get an oil change you gotta just go to go see somebody and talk to somebody about some shit and then Mm -hmm. get Mm -hmm. empty it out get new you know i'm just like ah you gotta take care of yourself please (laughs) yeah yeah help my final sip is wear a helmet. Yeah. Well, his got destroyed in the motorcycle accident. Yeah, but he could have been dead. That's, That's true. Well, you well. know what? That probably would have been better. Yeah. Ah! Ah, we said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. What was the last thing I was thinking of? Yeah, sex work is work. I was trying. There's like a couple little check mark things that I was like, this, this, this. But now I can't remember the last one. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. He sucks, man. He sucks so hard. But you know who doesn't suck? You beans. You beans. You beans. Thank you so much for joining us again. Girls, it was so nice having you in the breakfast nook today. Yay. We snuggled. Our knees touched. Yeah. Our mm. knees touched and we drank coffee. <laughs> mm. Oh, beans, thank you so much for joining us on another Morning Murder Monday. We look forward to uh, sharing more terrible true crime stories with you next Monday on Morning, Morning Murder. Just wasn't the same when it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you're like, where's Only my three part harmony? Shit. <laughs> Does it count that I did it with you? Oh. Yeah, when I listened to the episode, I said it out loud. I tried to get Ash to do it. He just looked at me. Oh. <laughs> then he talked at the end. Judgmental. Meow. 
Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. Remember to stop by every Monday for a new episode. And you can always check out our resources and mental health links in our show notes. If you enjoyed listening to our highly caffeinated conversation, please leave us a five-star rating and check us out on Instagram. At Morning Murders. That's at M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-M-U-R-D-E-R-S. If you have any stories you'd like to hear discussed around the breakfast nook, email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening! Alright, you want to listen to a murdery murder of all the murders that I ever murdered? I don't know, Nicole. Are you ready, Nicole? Nicolas! Spell my name six times. I'm counting six times for somebody today. Brenna, 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 Brenna. I think they thought I was lying to them. Brenna, Brenna. I have no idea. It was a very weird experience. Brenna, Brenna, I was pretty cool for a minute there, though. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. All right. It reminded me of that. What is that? That old like cartoon, or it's like a oh no, it was the freaking thing they used to say. It wasn't Amanda. It was like Amanda, 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 mongoose, mushroom. That one, badger, 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 mushroom. Or the or the putter, 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 putter. Literally. <laughs> In my notes, it always says music. Music. Mm. Smart. Klin- Kleinfelter? I'm going to go with Kleinfelter. Kleinfelter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. That I'm not the best. <laughs> Bobby and some other family members of his were born with um, gen- this. No, I just can't talk. No, I can't even read. I wrote it. I can't read it. I wrote it. So keeping in true garbage human fashion. Yeah, right, Ben. ben? Yeah, Ben. Ben's like, I don't freaking like this guy. This guy. I hate this story. He this sounds like a jerk. Hated it. Later that day, Bobby was coming out of a showing of Nick. Nick Norris? Nick I wrote Chuck Norris. Norris, but my brain said, Nick, Nick Norris. Norris. Nick, Nick Norris. Okay. Nick Nolte. That's it. Yeah. Uh, no, but for real. Okay, so. And a, res- um, and a reserve duty. Up. Oh, nope. Reserve duty. Reserve <laughs> duty. So in 1999, she started working as a dispatcher and a reserve duty. Uh, not duty. Gosh, deputy. deputy. <laughs> duty. I wrote it. I wrote. Duty. Stop! <laughs> Did you reserve your duty today? I'm almost done! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bitches. Stop laughing! Duty. It's like Seymour B. Yes. yes. <laughs> Buds. All right. You gotta break the tension somehow. Yeah.